Sections twenty five to twenty seven of How to Sing. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ruth Golding. How to Sing by Lily Lehman. Translated by Richard Aldrich. Section twenty five. The vowel sound R of former days. There is much discussion as to whether R oo or some other vowel is the one best adapted for general practice in former times practice was entirely on the vowel sound ah the old italians taught it my mother was trained so and never allowed her pupils to use any other vowel during the first months of their instruction later to be sure every letter every word was practised and improved continually till it was correct and had impressed itself upon the memory as well as the ear of the pupil for all time i explain the matter thus the singer's mouth should always make an agreeable impression faces that are forever grinning or showing fish mouths are disgusting and wrong the pleasing expression of the mouth requires the muscular contractions that form the bright vowel ah most people who are not accustomed to using their vocal resonance pronounce the R quite flat, as if it were the vowel sound lying lowest. If it is pronounced with the position of the mouth belonging to the bright vowels, it has to seek its resonance in speaking as well as in singing in the same place as the dark vowels on the high arched palate. To permit this, it must be mingled with OO. The furrows in the tongue must also be formed just as with oo and o, only special attention must be given that the back of the tongue does not fall, but remains high, as in pronouncing a. In this way, r comes to lie between oo, o, a, ye, and forms at the same time the connection between the bright and the dark vowels, and the reverse. For this reason, it was proper that R should be preferred as the practice vowel, as soon as it was placed properly between the two extremes and had satisfied all demands. I like to teach it, because its use makes all mistakes most clearly recognisable. It is the most difficult vowel. If it is well pronounced or sung, it produces the necessary muscular contractions with a pleasing expression of the mouth and make certain a fine tone colour by its connection with oo and o. If the r is equally well formed in all ranges of the voice, a chief difficulty is mastered. Those who have been badly taught, or who have fallen into bad ways, should practice the vocal exercise I have given above, with ye ye ya, etc., slowly, listening to themselves carefully. Good results cannot fail. It is an infallible means of improvement. Italians who sing well never speak or sing the vowel sound ah otherwise than mixed, and only the neglect of this mixture could have brought about the decadence of the Italian teaching of song. In Germany no attention is paid to it. The ah, as sung often by most Italians of the present day, quite flat, sounds commonplace, almost like an affront. It can range itself, 
that is, connect itself, with no other vowel, makes all vocal connection impossible, evolves very ugly registers, and, lying low in the throat, summons forth no palatal resonance. The power of contraction of the muscles of speech is insufficient, and this insufficiency misleads the singer to constrict the throat muscles, which are not trained to the endurance of it. Thereby further progress is made impossible. In the course of time the tone becomes flat at the transitions. The fatal tremolo is almost always the result of this manner of singing. Try to sing a scale upward on ah, placing the tongue and muscles of speech at the same time on a, and you will be surprised at the agreeable effect. Even the thought of it alone is often enough, because the tongue involuntarily takes the position of its own accord. I remember very well how Madame Désirée Artaud Padilla, who had a low mezzo-soprano voice, used to toss off great coloratura pieces beginning on the vowel sound A, ah, and then going up and down on A, E, A, O, A. At the time I could not understand why she did it. Now I know perfectly, because it was easier for her. The breath is impelled against the cavities of the head. The head tones are set into action. Behind the A position there must be as much room provided as is needed for all the vowels, with such modifications as each one requires for itself. The matter of chief importance is the position of the tongue in the throat, that it shall not be in the way of the larynx, which must be able to move up and down, even though very slightly, without hindrance. All vowels must be able to flow into each other. The singer must be able to pass from one to another without perceptible alteration, and back again. End of section 25 Section 26. Italian and German. How easy it is for the Italians, who have by nature, through the characteristics of their native language, all these things which others must gain by long years of practice. A single syllable often unites three vowels. For instance, tuoi, miei, moia, etc. The Italians mingle all their vowels. They rub them into and colour them with each other. This includes a great portion of the art of song, which in every language, with due regard to its peculiar characteristics, must be learned by practice. To give only a single example of the difficulty of the German words, with the everlasting consonant endings to the syllables, Take the recitative at the entrance of Norma. Wer lässt hier auf Ruhr stimmen, Kriegsruf ertönen, Wollt ihr die Götter zwingen, Eurem Wahnwitz zu frönen? Wer wagt vermessen, Gleich der Prophetin der Zukunft Nacht zu lichten, Wollt ihr der Götter Plan vorschnell vernichten? Nicht Menschenkraft können die Wirren dieses Landes schlichten. Twelve endings on N. Sediziosi voci, voci di guerra, 
a voi chi alza si attenta presso all'ara del Dio, fa chi presume dettar responsi alla veggente norma e di Roma affrettar il fatto arcano. Ei non dipende, no, non dipende da potere umano. From the Italians we can learn the connection of the vowels. From the French, the use of the nasal tone. The Germans surpass the others in their power of expressiveness. But he who would have the right to call himself an artist must unite all these things. The bel canto, that is beautiful, I might say good, singing, and all the means of expression which we cultivated people need to interpret masterworks of great minds should afford the public ennobling pleasure. A tone full of life is to be produced only by the skilful mixture of the vowels, that is, the unceasing leaning of one upon the others, without, however, affecting any of its characteristics. This means, in reality, only the complete use of the resonance of the breath, since the mixture of the vowels can be obtained only through the elastic conjunction of the organs and the varying division of the stream of breath toward the palatal resonance, or that of the cavities of the head, or the equalization of the two. The larynx must rise and descend unimpeded by the tongue. Soft palate and pillars of the fauces rise and sink, the soft palate always able more or less to press close to the hard. Strong and elastic contractions imply very pliable and circumspect relaxation of the same. I think that the feeling I have of the extension of my throat comes from the very powerful yet very elastic contraction of my muscles, which, though feeling always in a state of relaxability, appear to me like flexible steel of which I can demand everything, because never too much and which I exercise daily. Even in the entractes of grand operas I go through with such exercises, for they refresh instead of exhausting me. The unconstrained cooperation of all the organs, as well as their individual functions, must go on elastically without any pressure or cramped action. Their interplay must be powerful yet supple that the breath which produces the tone may be diffused as it flows from one to another of the manifold and complicated organs, such as the ventricles of Morgagni, supporting itself on others, being caught in still others, and finding all in such a state of readiness as is required in each range for each tone. Everything must be combined in the right way as a matter of habit. The voice is equalized by the proper ramification of the breath and the proper connection of the different resonances. The tone is colored by the proper mixture of vowels, oo, o, and ah, demanding more palatal resonance and a lower position of the larynx, a and e, more resonance of the head cavities and a higher position of the larynx. With oo, o, 
u and ah the palate is arched higher the tongue forming a furrow than with a and e where the tongue lies high and flat there are singers who place the larynx too low and arching the palate too high sing too much toward oo such voices sound very dark perhaps even hollow they lack the interposition of the a that is the larynx is placed too low on the other hand there are others who press it upward too high their a position is a permanent one such voices are marked by a very bright sharp quality of tone often like a goat's bleating both are alike wrong and disagreeable the proper medium between them must be gained by sensitive training of the ear and a taste formed by the teacher through examples drawn from his own singing and that of others if we wish to give a noble expression to the tone and the word we must mingle its vocal sound if it is not oo with o or oo if we wish to give the word merely an agreeable expression we mingle it with ah, a, and e. That is, we must use all the qualities of tonal resonance, and thus produce colours which shall benefit the tone, and thereby the word and its expression. Thus a single tone may be taken or sung in many different ways. In every varying connection, consequently, the singer must be able to change it according to the expression desired but as soon as it is a question of a musical phrase in which several tones or words or tones alone are connected the law of progression must remain in force expression must be sacrificed partly at least to the beauty of the musical passage if he is skilful enough the singer can impart a certain expression of feeling to even the most superficial phrases and coloratura passages thus in the coloratura passages of mozart's arias i have always sought to gain expressiveness by crescendi choice of significant points for breathing and breaking off of phrases i have been especially successful with this in the entführung introducing a tone of lament into the first aria a heroic dignity into the second through the coloratura passages without exaggerating petty details the artist must exploit all the means of expression that he is justified in using end of section 26 section 27 auxiliary vowels like the auxiliary verbs will and have a e and oo are auxiliary vowels of whose aid we are constantly compelled to avail ourselves it will perhaps sound exaggerated when i present an example of this but as a matter of fact pronunciation is consummated in this way only it must not become noticeable the method seems singular but its object is to prevent the leaving of any empty resonance space and to obviate any interruptions that could affect the perfection of the tone. For example, when I wish to sing the word Fräulein, 
I must first, and before all else, think of the pitch of the tone before I attack the F. With the F, the tone must be there already before I have pronounced it. To pass from the F to the R, I must summon to my aid the auxiliary vowel OO in order to prevent the formation of any unvocalized interstices in the sound. The R must not now drop off, but must in turn be joined to the OO, while the tongue should not drop down behind, but should complete the vibrations thus in a straight line. See plate. It is very interesting to note how much a word can gain or lose in fullness and beauty of tone. Without the use of auxiliary vowels, no connection of the resonance in words can be effected. There is then no beautiful tone in singing, only a kind of hacking. Since it must be quite imperceptible, the use of auxiliary vowels must be very artistically managed and is best practised in the beginning very slowly, on single tones and words, then proceeding with great care to two tones, two syllables, and so on. In this way, the pupil learns to hear. But he must learn to hear very slowly, and for a long time, until there is no failure of vibration in the tone and word, and it is all so impressed upon his memory that it can never be lost. The auxiliary vowels must always be present, but the listener should be able to hear, from the assistance of the oo, only the warmth and nobility of the tone, from the a and e, only the carrying power and brilliancy of it. End of section 27